Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 10. We'll get started this morning. Nehemiah chapter 10. So I had a conversation with a friend one day, and I was sharing the gospel with this person who is a friend of mine. I was being a little bolder than usual. Um, You know, those bold presentations of the gospel, turn or burn, get right with Jesus, uh, are not necessarily my style of personal evangelism, but I found the Lord had just led me to share the gospel with my friend. And so I asked the question, uh, I said, uh, today, what would prevent you from committing your life to Jesus? What would prevent you from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? And he said to me very seriously, because he had listened and, and we talked back and forth a little bit. He said, I don't like to make commitments. And I said, so I listened for a minute. I said, okay. I said, well, that's interesting. And, and without trying to sound too much like a smart aleck, I, I said, well, you know, you, you shared with me before that, that you served uh, in the military. And he said, yeah, I, I did for so many years. And I said, yeah, that's a pretty serious commitment. <laughs> um, and he didn't say anything, you know. And I said, well, I, I think you told me you have a job and that, you know, you, several days a week uh, or certain days a week, you get up at like three or four o'clock in the morning and you go to work. And he said, yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, um, being gainfully employed on a regular basis is a pretty serious commitment, wouldn't you say? And I said, gosh, well, I've done it. Now I'm either going to finish offending him or, or, or we're just going to have this conversation. I said, well, I have to ask you, I said, uh, isn't it true you're a homeowner? Yeah, yeah. I said, well, buying a house is, man, that's a pretty serious commitment. I mean, you know, whether you're wealthy and you bring a big trash bag full of money and buy your house or, or you make a commitment to a 30-year or a 15-year mortgage or whatever it might be, those are significant commitments that we make in our lives. And, and my friend had made all three of those commitments and, and, and probably some others, but I was pushing my luck already. And I, so I said, well, well what would um, prevent you from making a commitment to, to Jesus Christ today, you know, based on, on some things we've been talking about. I said, man, you know, I just don't want to. And I said, you know what? In my mind, I didn't say it out loud. I said, okay, well, we got to it, right? We got to it because there are commitments that we, that we make all the time, right? Some we make very thoughtful with lots of planning, right? We plan, we research, we check things out. Some of us research way more than others, right? When I was young, I thought it was time to buy a house. We were single-income family, and I said, hey, let's buy a house. Well, if you're married to the person, like someone like I'm married to, you don't just go buy a house. You're going to do some research. You're going to do some planning. You're going to do some saving, right? So, so you get it, right? We make these commitments. Well, the children of Israel were in this situation. And Anthony um, preached last week, right? And you heard you, you, you heard this cycle of, of the relationship between the children of Israel and God. And throughout that passage last week, I know you heard, God, you are compassionate. God, you are gracious. God, you are merciful. Every time the children of Israel turned their back uh, on you, Lord, you, you forgave them. So you are a forgiving God. 
Um, but you are also a holy and a just God. So you disciplined your children and, and even judged maybe those who didn't really belong to you. But we'll go there. We'll go to Romans chapter nine another Sunday. Don't don't let me get down that rabbit hole. So but God is also just and he's holy. But he said, God, you're merciful, you're loving, you're compassionate. And so here in chapter 10, they've reached this point where there is an actual ceremony that is going to take place. And the ceremony that Anthony um, read about in verse 28 and 29, verse 29, they're going to take a curse and an oath. So as they enter into, as they renew their relationship with God, right? Um, we have already talked about understanding our spiritual heritage. The children of Israel in this penitential penny, yeah, that word sounds like jail, but it's not. Um, they hear their history of their relationship with God. They had confessed their sins. They've seen the history. They were understanding their spiritual heritage. Each of the families say, you know, there's possibility of generational sin that I need to be aware of, that my children need to be aware of, that our family is susceptible to. And we talked about that. We talked about identifying and repenting of generational sin. We talked about taking personal responsibility um, for our sinfulness. The devil didn't make me do it. It's not my mama's fault or my daddy's fault that my life is a wreck and I'm a sinner. Um, so we talked about taking personal responsibility as well as understanding um, family and generational sins. And then we said, how do we identify and repent of these things? And we talked about that, right? Well, today, today we're going to talk about making the commitment. The children of Israel are going to take on this curse and oath in this ceremony. Now, I did not know this, but the word, um, the word curse in Hebrew is only is so similar to the word covenant that sometimes you have to really check and see which word is being used. Uh, I, I did not. I did not realize that. I think the. But think about the significance of that, right? So, so number one, we're going to say today. Number one, renewing right relationship with God changes everything. You say, well, Charlie, that sounds pretty simple. Have you ever had that time in your life that you're a follower of Jesus? Uh, you would call yourself a Christian. You'd made a profession of faith. Maybe you had been baptized, but you just had not been walking closely with the Lord for a period of time in your life. Maybe there was a besetting sin in your life and you just descended into that like I did in my addiction and my young, uh, early young adult years of just chasing things that don't bring satisfaction in life, right? But if you had asked me at any point in time, I would say, I asked Jesus to be my savior. I confessed my sins. I got baptized. But there was a time, and sometimes we want, um, there was a time in my life when God called me back. Now, in church, we say, I surrender my life to the Lord, right? And, and I'm not mocking that, right? Those are words we use. Or I, here, here's one for you. Maybe this will be familiar. I rededicated my life to the Lord. Well, Charlie, why did you go forward? And, and I did like two or three times in my late teenage and early adult years. I went forward in church in tears and I rededicated my life to the Lord only to feel six months later like I needed to do it again. And my pastor uh, was a godly man and my parents were godly people. And they said, something's wrong with this boy. No, <laughs> but God says as many times as it takes, 
if you, are, if you are genuine as many times as it takes. But sometimes we get out there. We get out there and we struggle. But I see something here uh, in, verse, in verse 28 before we go to the next slide. He says, um, they separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God. And you see, they brought their wives and their children and all who could understand what was going on were also going to participate in making this commitment. But what happens is sometimes we have to separate ourselves from the people of the land as, as we are renewing our right relationship with God. Now, I'm going to use a couple New Testament scriptures. You know, sometimes I, I struggle with that when we're in the Old Testament. But in John 17, 15 through 17, Jesus is talking to God the Father. They're having this conversation. And he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So the children of Israel, wanting to renew their right relationship with God, knew they had to separate themselves from the people of the land. Well, the rest of the passage is going to explain to us how they did that. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, sanctify them. To be sanctified or consecrated or made holy, as a matter of fact, saints, the word saints, hagios, holy ones, means that God is setting you apart in your relationship with him for his purposes and for his glory. So part of sanctification is being made holy, but it's also being separated. Um, God is calling you out. God is making you us holy. The children of Israel recognized that if they were going to renew their relationship with God, if they were going to rededicate themselves, each person, each family, and then as a nation, of course, they were being challenged to, to walk closely with God, it meant that the first thing that had to take place is that somehow they had to separate themselves from some things and people that are going on in the world. So uh, we're going to see um, what that looks like. But first, first, so we see the re renewing right relationship with God changes everything. So next slide. Renewing right relationship with God includes making life-altering decisions. Oh my gosh. It was maybe the first or second um, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting I had ever attended. I was 22 years old. I was in recovery. I was, I was in rehab. And a man said something, never met him, never talked to him. I don't even know, never got his name. He said something in a meeting that, I don't know, 34, five years later, I still remember. He said in no uncertain terms, I'm cleaning it up for church use. He said in no uncertain terms that if you wanted to stay sober, that you had to, one has to change your playground, your play friends, and your play toys. 
I had to learn to go play in new places in my life and make new friends in my life and enjoy different things in my life if I was going to say stay sober. Man, all the light bulbs started going off because the word of God just came flooding back into my foggy brain and God the Holy Spirit was bringing it up in my heart and I wept at some point as I shared that later in group and as I shared that with my wife when she came to see me that it just made perfect sense to me. This is what the children of Israel had to do. This is what families and individual people had to do. They had to come out. They got too comfortable living with the people groups around them. Some of them were living in Jerusalem without worshiping God until the temple was built and then the wall was rebuilt. Some of them, some of them had just become distant from God. Some of them had, had just gone on and were living their lives. So we see... And um, renewing right relationship with God including, includes making these life-altering decisions. That's tough sometimes. I lost a lot of friends when I got sober. Um, and then it didn't take me too long. I, I, I didn't grieve over it for too long. Why? Because I knew what God was doing in my life. Some of that included family. There was some family. I had to let them go. Um, I had to put some distance between me and them because of what we did together um, um, in my former life. Also, renewing right relationship with God includes changing, uh, include, with God includes changing other relationships. Man, that's tough sometimes. And I'm not saying what that might look like for you, but I know that in renewing my relationship with the Lord, I, I had to consider these things and um, it also, it also caused me to understand that the relationships, other relationships in my life uh, that were important, I had neglected them too, just like I had neglected my relationship with the Lord. If you find yourselves uh, 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 distant from God and, and, and something just kind of pierces your heart when someone talks about renewing your relationship with God or rededicating your life to the Lord, it, it stands to reason that maybe some other relationships in my life or in your life um, have become distant and are struggling also. Because sometimes we treat God the same way we treat each other when, when things are difficult or when there's sin in my life or when there's something going on where I have just become distant with the Lord. And then also um, in the next slide, renewing right relationship with God includes getting to know him better. Say, Charlie, well, that sounds pretty simple. Well, a covenant can be defined as an agreement Theologically, a covenant is an agreement that usually brings forth a relationship of commitment between God and his people. Interesting, I, I did, of all the crazy things uh, going on in life, I, I, I drove down Ocean City to do uh, a wedding last Saturday for a special young lady that grew up in our church 100 years ago. And, um, and I thought about marriage, and, and it brought a tear to my eye because because. She was entering into a covenant relationship. And let me share, and I asked her permission. Um, I shared it in the ceremony too. I asked her permission. She said to me in, in a premarital counseling um, meeting, um, she said, Charlie, I know this man. She said it in front of him. Oh, gosh, I was moved to tears. She said, he loves me the way the Bible says a man is supposed to love a woman. That's how I know I can marry him. 
That's covenant relationship. But don't, but, 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 and it made me understand too. She knows Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Her husband, now husband, he knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. She knew what the Bible said about how a man is supposed to love a woman. She also knows what the Bible says about how God loves her and how she is supposed to love God. Covenant relationship, a covenant agreement is a relationship. So we talk about the covenants made between God and Abraham, God and Moses, God and David. And now we're talking about this covenant relationship where the children of Israel, families, people just like me and you and their kids are renewing their relationship with God after they heard, after they heard the history of, of, of sin and um, breaking covenant with God that their ancestors did and that they had done. You see, covenants being initiated, covenants are initiated to benefit the other person, right? So watch this. Oh, I can't wait to marry her. I can't wait to serve her for the next 60 years. I can't wait to clean her car, or I can't wait to clean the house when she's not feeling well. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about these things. No, that's not what I said. That's, that's not what I thought when I was getting married. See, God enters into covenant relationship with us for our benefit because he loves us first. And sometimes that sacrificial commitment to love takes time. God understands that. Thank God that our spouses understand that too sometimes, right? But so, so a covenant also is people making unconditional promises just like the traditional wedding vows. The children of Israel were making a, and, and, and God told them, and they knew that if they broke covenant with God, that the curse that comes along with the oath and the covenant, the curses were going to happen. They had seen it in the history, uh, in the history of their, of their walk with the Lord. Now, Hebrews teaches us that in Jesus Christ, we have a new and better covenant, but make no mistake about it. God will deal with us as his children, as our father, if we're living in sin. Amen. But, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But covenant relationships take commitments to be permanent. Covenant relationships take commitments to be permanent. Covenant relationships involve confrontation and forgiveness. That's hard. That's called truth in love. That's called tough love, right? Covenant relationship involves confrontation and forgiveness. Uh, I love this um, difference between covenant and contract thing that I was um, that I was reading about here. Uh, and, you know, contracts are made for a limited period of time. Covenants are permanent. Um, contracts deal with specific actions and uh, either goods or services being exchanged. And covenant relationship is just that. Covenant is all about relationship. Most contracts and agreements um, are dissolved at some certain point because the relationship ends covenant relationship does not so here God is with here the children of Israel are entering into this uh, 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 recommitting their lives to the Lord and we see number two uh, number two here renewing right relationship with God transforms my future relationships so 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 what, what we were saying 
Um, getting to know God better. You might say, this sounds pretty basic, Charlie, but I tell you, these are the first things I neglect when I'm not walking closely with the Lord. I'm not walking closely with God when um, I'm skipping my times of devotion and reading his word. I'm not walking closely with God when I disobey the spirit in some basic things that I know the spirit is. It might not be one of the 10 commandments, but if I'm, if I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit when God is nudging me or calling me to do something, I'm disobeying and it is sin and I, it could fall in there somewhere. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm not robbing banks, cheating on my wife, but I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. That's sin. So, so those are the kind of things that can happen to me when, um, when I'm not getting to know God better. So renewing right relationship with God transforms my future relationships. We're going to see that in verses 30 and 31 here. And, and Anthony read these for us. He said, we won't give our daughters to the people of the land or take their daughters for our sons. But what we see here is this is not this is not an ethnic prohibition. This is not a racial prohibition. The children of Israel, when they married in to other cultures, they married into and participated in pagan religion. They adopted the gods of the families and the people into which they married and they cheated on God. Remember covenant relationship? God called the children of Israel at different times. He called them adulterers and harlots, and yet they were his children and he loved them. Oh my, how could he do that? Because they, they followed after other gods and the primary way that this took place was when they married, um, when you know the sons and daughters married the sons and daughters of the pagan people. And so, Renewing right relationship with God. I'm going to read, and it'll come up on the screen here, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And in our Christian communities, there's a lot of discussion about these verses. The Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, or the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Next slide and I'll continue. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And he's quoting, uh, the Apostle Paul is quoting the Old Testament there in the end of this passage. And I know often this, this passage is debated and used when we talk about a Christian marrying an unbeliever or someone who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and it is, um, and, and there are other passages in the Bible, but when we talk about renewing a uh, right relationship with God transforms my future relationships, if I am living for the glory of God, if my relationships that I have with other people are in line with my relationship with God, then I want to glorify and obey God in all that I do. It's a trust thing. In relationships, you have trust. When you marry someone, you have, it is the ultimate expression of trust, except for your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Matter of fact, that's why God gives us this beautiful earthly relationship between a man and a woman is because it is a reflection of the covenant relationship that we have with him. So you have this amazing amount of trust in this relationship. And so, um, and and I would say this passage doesn't even use the word marriage. I I would say if you are, um, I would use an example as I think one would have to be very careful if one started if one started a business or put your life work, your life's work in partnership with someone else, because if in fact your work is part of your worship, in my relationship with God is my work part of my worship? Is my work part of my testimony? Question mark. Now, well, you say. Uh, uh, I worked for a company, I worked for a Jewish company, and the owners were not followers of Jesus, and I worked for them for 15 years. Transactional, right? That was a company, I worked for the company. And then in, in, in our culture, then, we talk about how do I use my employment to glorify God. But if you were going to enter into a binding, contractual, financial business arrangement, question mark, how, how far will I go doing business with unbelievers? Question mark. I I don't know the answer to that. Um, But he says, what does being unequally yoked really mean? So God here in Nehemiah chapter 10, he's called his people out. He said, you are to be separate. And here's what it is to look like. You are not supposed to marry the pagan guys and girls that live around you or let your children marry them. Okay. Why? Because you'll start chasing after other gods and you'll walk away from me. And then... Um, so then next slide after the scripture there, we see then how transforming, um, that God is transforming my business and work relationships. When my life is totally yielded to God and I see, I remember there were years when my life was totally yielded to God and I worked in a environment where I punched a time clock and worked in a refrigerated warehouse I very well compensated, worked hard. I was proud of my work. I took care of my family. Um, But I used my work to glorify God. What does that mean? It means I was honest. When I was on a job, I tried to be working when I was on a job, not hiding somewhere, taking a nap or sitting around talking to the fellas. Did I do it perfectly? No way. Um, When there were disputes on the job, did did I use my impact or influence to glorify God? Was I, am I a peacemaker in my work? Am I giving my employer the level of work that he expects from me, he or she expects from me? These are the things God transforms all of these relationships. And whether you think you have a relationship with your job or not, you do. There's a relationship there. And so uh, there's just one example. Um, and, and we're going to see that here later in the passage. And then again, transforming, right? God is transforming my personal relationships. Sometimes I might have to go to my mom or dad after one may go to their mother or father after having been estranged from family or loved ones for a long time and say, you know, God has put it on my heart to just tell you that regardless of the past, I love you. You know, man, that's hard, right? Or tougher yet, one may have to go to a family member that one has been estranged from and say, I have avoided asking for your forgiveness. Um, for fill in the blank, right? Might just be from neglecting the relationship. Might just from be not, not, not caring enough to make things right. But God is transforming my current relationships as well. 
So we see that here in the passage. How do we see that the children of Israel, uh, everything that they do in their relationships with one another, in their marriages, in their communities, is supposed to glorify God. Number three, number three as we move along here, renewing right relationship with God changes my why and my who, right? For whom do I work? Do I really work for giant food? Back in the day, that's who I worked for. Um, or do I work for God and, and just being in the workplace was just one more way for me to glorify God in my work. And it changes my why. Why do I go to work? Why do I do what I do? God is transforming that as well. Say, so, well, what does that look like? If we go to the next slide, we see here in the rest of the passage, number 31, this was a tough one. Watch this. Everything that Israel, God wanted people outside of Israel to come to him uh, in covenant relationship other than just the Israelites. People were invited, remember, when Jonah preached and God saved the people of Nineveh? So their relationship with God was supposed to be such a powerful testimony. Um, someone uses the word centrifugal. Everything that they did was supposed to go out into the world and people would want a relationship with their God because of what they saw in them. So we're not going to do business on the, on the Sabbath. Now, God commanded them to keep a Sabbath in the Old Testament. Some may ask, are we commanded to keep a Sabbath today? Uh, I'm not going to give you the answer you want. If you want me to say yes or no, I'm not going to give you the answer you want today. Uh, I'm going to say, um, as the Spirit leads you, you honor God with your day of rest. I do believe um, for our that God has demonstrated to us that we have a Sabbath time or a time of rest in our personal lives because we see all of the benefits that God gave the children of Israel by doing that. It's also part of our testimony. But so on the Sabbath, they were not to do business. They weren't to buy or sell. And sometimes they even took it to extremes, right? And that's for another discussion. But so when pagan people were allowed through the gates of Jerusalem, um, and they brought stuff you needed for your house, or they were bringing seed that you needed to plant in your fields, or the people that you regularly do business with to buy stuff for your home, they were there, and they might only be there for a day, but it was a Sabbath day, and you said, you know what, I trust God, and I'm not going to do business on a Sabbath. Why? Because God said in this covenant relationship, watch this, yes, he wants me to obey him, but you know what's more important than that? In my relationship with God, he wants me to trust him. Trust him to meet my physical needs. You have stuff to sell, right? You bring all of your stuff to the market uh, from your farm. You bring the stuff that you made in your home, in the shop at your house. You bring it all to Jerusalem to sell. And a big group of people come in over the weekend, and you can't wait to get their business, and it's the Sabbath. Oh, and my neighbors are selling stuff, and I'm not. They're going to get the money, and I'm, who am I going to trust? So this whole idea of Sabbath and rest and, and, and not doing business on the Sabbath, yes, God commanded them to do this, but it was also, it was about trust in this relationship. So do I trust God with my business? Do I trust God with my money? It's all part and parcel of my relationship with the Lord. We also see, so one, we see how it is transforming their worship. We're not going to buy or sell on the Sabbath. We're going to be in worship. We're going to have a Sabbath rest. 
in our house, in our family, in our church, right, in our temple. We're going to have Sabbath rest. It's transforming. Renewing right relationship with God is transforming my worship. Matter of fact, y'all can tell my pastor I did not use the word change one time this morning, okay? Uh, He'll appreciate that. So, verse 32, we placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly a third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. Secondly, we see it's transforming my giving. Living in right relationship with God will transform uh, what I worry about and how I spend my money. Uh, I can tell you a personal testimony, I'll do it briefly. Uh, around the age of 24, 25, um, someone had preached a sermon, I had read a little book. Uh, it, it may still be out there, it's a short read. Um, it's called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. I knew I would get it. And it's, um, um, he talks about um, our time, our talents, and our treasures. So how do I use the resources God has given me? And so at that point in time, God convicted us instead of, watch this, instead of tipping God, we were going to tithe. And we were a single income family. We had two kids. Money was tight. And we said, you know what? Finally, we said, we, this was our personal testimony. This is, you know, so I'm just sharing with you my personal testimony that we said, we're going to tithe and come what may, we're going to tithe. And there were some trying times. You know what it did, though? It transformed my budget. <laughs> it transformed the things I spent money on. Um, it didn't make me a tightwad because, believe me, I, I need to be more of one. I, I like to spend money. But I tell you, it changed me. It changed me. So, so this idea of renewing right relationship with God calls me to trust God with my money as well. Secondly or thirdly, we see transforming, transforming how I serve God's people and my church. So they even, drew, they even drew straws to see who was going to take turns providing the firewood to the temple and who was going at uh, different times of the year to keep the sacrifices going in the temple. So that required some time. That required some hard work. So um, they were serving God um, in their church, in their temple, in their worship of God. They took time out of their lives to serve God. And and it even goes, it even goes um, a little deeper here because then they continue to say, I brought my first fruits uh, of our ground and the first fruits of the fruit of every tree um, that I own. It doesn't say I own. To the house of the Lord. I even brought the firstborn of my children and of my animals before the Lord. And it was literally like it was making a, it was making, it was giving it, it, it was a giving of an extra tithe or an offering to God to glorify God for giving you that child or glorify God for multiplying your herd or your horses. And so what it was doing, it was transforming um, um, how they serve God. It was transforming their giving. And you, so you see throughout the rest of this passage that why would God give them all these things to do? Yes, it was to serve the Lord, serve the church, but it was to build trust in that relationship. Lastly, or D, we see here, transforming my heart and attitude regarding all of my resources. Verses 35 through 39, that's what we see. So 
you had the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites, all these guys, all these men and women, they worked in the church. That was their life's work. And the people of the, um, the Jewish people were to support them with these tithes and offerings, the shekels, the cutting of the firewood, the bringing of the firstborn. All of this supported God's work. And God was calling them to be faithful. It was part of their testimony. It was part of glorifying God. They were to do it with joy. Um, so, so really renewing right relationship with God, that's why I said, number one, it, it changes everything. But what it really changes is the condition of my heart. It's my outlook. I don't have to give money. I don't have to give money to support God's work. I get to give of the resources that God has so richly blessed me with already um, that are all his anyway, and I get to give some back. Amen? So we see that this is what um, that, that God is, is just changing their hearts, their attitudes, and their actions. Lastly, um, lastly, number four, we see transforming covenant relationship with Jesus. Say, well, hold up, Jesus isn't in Nehemiah chapter 10. Well, okay, um, his name's not in Nehemiah chapter 10, but work with me a little bit. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20 in the next slide say this. And this will be very familiar to you. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus Christ is and was the final sacrifice. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. When we take communion, it recognizes that his body was broken and sacrificed. When we drink, when we drink the wine, what, grape juice here? When we drink the grape juice, we, Jesus said, this is a symbol of my blood. Blood, watch this. The book of Hebrews says, for um, um, where blood is not shed, there's no forgiveness of sin. Blood had to be shed to ratify the covenant. Jesus took your place and my place on the cross. It was our blood that should have been shed for our sins that still would not have been able to buy our, to redeem us for salvation. It was only the blood of Jesus that will work. You and I, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, his blood was shed. He was and is the final sacrifice. That's why we no longer have a system of sacrifices. Uh, Hebrews, uh, I'm going to read it, and you'll say, oh, Lord, will he ever stop? Uh, next slide. Um, uh, uh, Hebrews, I didn't put the passage. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, it's Hebrews 7. Just work with me on this. And on the other hand, there is a bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for they indeed became priests without an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to save forever 
those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those other high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath, the word of the oath, remember uh, what we're talking about in Nehemiah chapter 10, which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. We see the fulfillment. Nehemiah chapter 10 is just a picture of what was to come. It was a covenant relationship in which God saved his people by faith, but it was, it was, um, it was not the final covenant. Jesus Christ is and was always the plan, the only way, his blood shed on the cross, the only way for your salvation and mine. So renewing right relationship with God. You know, you might say, Pastor, I, I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I say, Amen, I did too. You say, Pastor, I, I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I just don't feel close to him like I have in the past. And you know, I would say, you know, maybe today is the day that you have the opportunity to renew right relationship with God. Maybe today is the day, like the children of Israel, that you come and pray. I would say today, I would like to have an invitation. And if, if God has just put it on your heart to say, I, I, I'm going to, I just want to rededicate, renew my relationship with the Lord. Pastor, will you pray for me? I would like to pray with you, okay? So, um, while, while Morgan leads us in worship, um, while Morgan leads us in worship, and after I pray uh, during that time, if you would like to come forward,